Uh, but I want to welcome each and every one of you. We're in our uh, last series of the season, our last series for uh, Band of Brothers at FAC. And, uh, and we're talking about, as you know, the theme for the whole year was ordinary men, extraordinary deeds. God qualifies the call, not the other way around. God takes men like you and me, okay, and he qualifies us. Because when he calls us, he has a job for us to do. And we've talked about all the different attributes, about perseverance, you know. We've talked about all the different ad attributes that Bible men have had and, and that were, made them answer the call. And uh, perseverance. Now we're, we're in our last series, and we've been talking about leadership, okay. And today, okay, I am truly honored to have Pastor Steve Hoodley come up, um, always willing to help us out. And he's going to come up and he's going to talk to us about Barnabas, son of encouragement. Steve? Right, brother. Love you, brother. Morning. Oh, that's, listen to that. That's, that's bright. Anyways, it, it, you know, I'm very honored to be here. It's always a privilege for me to be able to come in and just talk to you guys and spend some time in the Word, right? And you guys are faithful at doing that on a weekly basis. And uh, so I hope as we look at Barnabas today uh, that this would be an encouragement for you. Uh, but to get us started, I actually uh, chose a passage of Scripture to uh, look at from 1 Thessalonians. And I think it's going to be on the screen Excellent. And I was wondering if we could all stand and if we could read God's Word this morning as we prepare to sit under its teaching authority for our lives and direction for our souls. Let's read it together, brothers. Let's remain standing and pray together. Jesus, we thank you for your word. It is the wellspring of life. It is what gives us life. It is what has changed our hearts from, um, from hearts of stone to hearts of flesh, hearts that are uh, calloused by the world to hearts that are uh, new and regenerated in what you've done in us, Holy Spirit. And so we just ask for your help today. That's why we're here. We recognize, Lord, that you are our Savior and Lord, and that without you we do not know life, that without you we do not have life, and so uh, we will lean into that today. So help us uh, together in the ways that you are moving in our hearts, the meditations of our hearts, the words that I bring forth and the words that we share together. Uh, may they be acceptable to you, 
O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. God, we pray these things in your name, and we all agreed by saying, Amen. 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 Yeah, go ahead and take a seat. So I'm just going to begin by reflecting on some stories that happened to me in my own life, and hopefully you can relate to some of these stories and uh, think about some places in your own life where uh, you can connect. So um, I remember being a, uh, a, a kid. I must have been 11 years old, and I was uh, already playing uh, three instruments, uh, the piano and the trumpet and the drums. And I remember being introduced to a gentleman who was a percussion instructor at a local university. And uh, he was a Christian, and my dad was putting together kind of a corporate worship experience that would happen on Sunday nights with various different churches in the area. And... Um, he knew that I had an ambition to become a musician and particularly to be a percussionist or a drummer. And I was, I was fascinated by this guy. He had such technique. He had um, a real understanding of what it meant to be tasteful as a musician. Um, and he would get together all of his gear. I don't know if you guys know the difference between a, uh, like a percussionist and a band and a drummer, but often, you know, the drummer sits behind the drum set and is the main job of that drummer is to, you know, keep the tempo and really give contrast and dynamics to the music. We all know that when we hear a great drummer, it just really makes us feel the music, right? Uh, a percussionist, on the other hand, though he is keeping time, he also is adding so much more to the experience that, um, and I'm thinking of somebody who has like a collection of cymbals or maybe some Latin percussion things or uh, maybe some wind chimes, things like that. Well, this guy was this guy was amazing. He would just love sound and he would put together different sounds. He would collect keys, just regular keys. And he would string them on, on uh, you know, wires, and he would use that as an instrument. Or he would create shakers by, by putting in uh, different types of beads in different types of containers. And he was, just, he was just fascinated by sound and how his role as a percussionist could add to the overall sound. You know, I'm like 11. He's a grown adult. I'm not sure that I can learn anything from this guy or do anything, but here's what he did. He invited me during the actual service to come on stage with him, to be with him as he set up his gear. He would teach me about why he would do certain things, talk to me, he would uh, give me something simple to do that he knew that I could do, and there I would share the stage and make music with this great musician. Uh, I've, I've never forgotten it. You know, here I am 30 years later, and it, it, I still remember the things that he taught me. Um, later on as a youth, I had um, a couple youth leaders 
who knew that, you know, I was an aspiring a spiritual leader. I loved being able to lead worship with our students and often got chances with the adults as well. And they saw that in me, and so they took time as a teenager. I was a teenager. They were in their 20s, and they took time to play hockey with me. All of you should be saying that makes absolutely no sense, but of course, you're all wise and know that makes perfect sense, doesn't it, right? Yeah. So, you know, I had an ambition to, to be a leader in the church, uh, but they knew that they needed to speak to me in a way that I could understand and meet them where I was. I loved playing hockey uh, in my teens, and they just spent time with me. They spent time with me where I could ask questions and where I could be myself, and they could pour into my life. And I think the talk today is not necessarily something new for us. I think it's just rather um, an encouragement to use the word that we're going to keep on using today, an encouragement to keep going. All right? An encouragement to keep going. To keep on being an encouragement to someone else. So I lift up those two stories because those two people in my life, my youth leader and that musician, they, they impacted my life in ways they probably never could understand, never could fully uh, realize even. And yet because they chose to encourage me, because they chose to take a risk on me, because they chose to take time with me, my life was forever changed. And, you know, the guy that we're uh, looking at today, even though we didn't read the passage of Scripture that talks about him, is Barnabas. Uh, many of us may have heard of Barnabas before. He was one of the most influential early followers of Jesus in the early church in Jerusalem. His name, though, is not Barnabas. His name's Joseph. And yet, this character trait was so prevalent, this gifting of God was so true in his life that the apostles just said, hey, this guy, this guy encourages like no one other. We're just going to call him the son of encouragement from now on. Joe, you're not going to be Joe anymore. You're going to be Barnabas. And it says that the Holy Spirit filled Barnabas and was active in his life, that he was a good man, that people trusted Barnabas. And when he was in Jerusalem, he heard of someone who had just come to faith. I'm sure we all know the story of Saul's conversion. Saul coming to faith in Christ, meeting him on the road to Damascus. But if we remember, that, that uh, connection to the Christian community was a little bit, uh, well, fearful. <laughs> I mean, being that he would tend to, you know, take Christians, gather them up, and kill them, no one was really interested in welcoming Saul to the party, answering the door for Saul, letting Saul come to dinner, leading the prayer or the grace are you sure it sounds like an ambush? But someone saw something in Saul. Someone saw something in Saul. 
And see, that's often what encouragers are. They see something in someone else. They see a trait. They see a gifting. They see maybe just an opportunity. Maybe they see someone who is struggling to fit in, to understand. And they reach out and they take a risk. They take a risk of their time. They take a risk of their reputation. They take a risk of rejection. But they take a risk when they reach out. And they advocate for someone. And they give to someone. And they're generous with someone. See, we all need to be encouraged. We know that, right? We know that we need to be encouraged. When we're honest with ourselves, we recognize that though deep down inside we might just want to be able to pull ourselves up and say that we got all the strength that we need, it's either going to be in Christ or it's going to be in me, but it's also going to be in someone else who pours into you. Or maybe even better yet, maybe you're the Barnabas for somebody else. Maybe God's sending into your life a Saul. Maybe you need to put yourself in a position to see a Saul. Sometimes our relationships, well, we get into ruts with them. We get into comfort zones. We think that, you know, oh, this is just my friend group, and we all just kind of get along. Okay, that's great. But maybe there's a youth that's a part of our fellowship right now who's having a hard time. And they need a guy to come alongside them, to pour into them, to encourage them. Maybe there's a service project that we can get involved in that helps us rub shoulders with other guys that we may not have met before. That we can look out and say, I can be an encouragement to them. Encouragement as a trait in our culture right now is, is unfortunately very devalued. Most of the times people are looking to, to cut people down, not build them up. And that's why I lift up the scripture uh, actually, Josh, can you just leave that right on the screen for me? Why don't we read that again together? Here we go. And we urge you, brothers, admonish the idle, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, be patient with them all. See that no one repays anyone evil for evil, but always seek to do good to one another and to everyone. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Admonish the idol. Stir up those who seem to be complacent. Stir up those who seem to lack focus. Maybe this is with a friendship, like a peer. Maybe it isn't a student. Maybe there's somebody who you've known for a while, but you know that both of you are just kind of meh in your faith. Maybe it's just agreeing to say, hey, you know, we're going to keep on going through the summer, you and me. We're going to keep on having breakfast together. And we're going to make a commitment to one another as peers, as brothers in Christ, to admonish each other, to stir each other up, to hold each other accountable. Encourage the faint-hearted. We may, you know, not want to admit it, but our hearts, they get damaged. They get torn apart. 
circumstances, difficulties in our lives. We need to have somebody that we can trust. See, that's what happens when you build an encouraging, and if I will say a mentoring relationship with somebody, is that you begin to trust them with yourself. So Barnabas advocates for, Paul, for Saul, and he um, basically says, we need to welcome this new guy in. He's had a transformational experience with the resurrected Christ. And, and then the story changes. The story changes because people are just trying to kill Saul. Seems to be a uh, theme for his life. And so they escort him out of Jerusalem, and he kind of exits the story in the book of Acts. We don't hear from him for a while. And... Um, until there's this group of Christians that seem to be forming in this city of Antioch, north, quite north of Jerusalem. And um, the apostles hear of it, and they need to send somebody to figure this out. They need to send somebody wise. They need to send somebody who has a tender heart. They need to send somebody who, you know, can really recognize the Holy Spirit. And they send Barnabas. They say, Barnabas, we're going to send you up there. You figure this out. What's going on? And he is absolutely blown away by what God is doing. Which is important to recognize because Barnabas is not afraid of competition. Barnabas is totally secure in who he is as a man and who Christ is making him to be. He's not worried about how someone else may do it as long as they're following the scriptures. He goes up and he affirms them. But he doesn't just affirm the church in Antioch. What does he do? He also remembers someone. He remembers someone from years ago who probably has the right gifting, the right training, the right temperament to really help in this new church plant. And he remembers Saul. And he goes to Tarsus. We don't know how Paul ended up in Tarsus. That's where he grew up. But, you know, the journey that got him from Jerusalem to Tarsus or wherever else he might have been. But he wasn't on the calling that God had on his life. I mean, it must have been probably a little disheartening for Saul. Just kind of hanging out where he grew up, knowing they had a calling from God, but not knowing where to start or where to go. And then this man walks into his life and he says, this is where you got to go. Come on. Let's go. And Barnabas begins to form a relationship with Saul that is much like how Jesus formed a relationship with his own disciples. It was a relationship of just everyday learning, everyday following, everyday seeing, everyday mentoring, everyday coaching, everyday... And when I say everyday, I'm not trying to press upon us the fact that it was everyday but every day in a sense that there were things new to learn about life's experiences that were brought their way by God. Whether it was on a missionary journey together, whether it was on uh, the church planting mission that they had, whether it was taking a generous gift to the Jerusalem church. Whatever the case may be, Barnabas decided to devote himself to this apprentice, to this mentee, to this leader in Christ. 
And it's important, though, to recognize, because some of us may have been in mentoring relationships already. Again, I'm, I'm kind of assuming that, talking to this crew. This isn't a new, a new thing for you. Uh, sometimes when you have a coach, when you have an advisor, when you have a teacher, you kind of get to a point where, well, it seems like you're almost equal, or maybe you have a difference of opinion on how to do something. And there can be sometimes disagreements and fractures in those really heartfelt relationships. And those are tough, right? They're tough not only for the person who is, you know, the apprentice, but they're also tough for the master. Because this give and take in this relationship is so important to each member. And there was a time when they, Barnabas and Paul, as he was being called by then, were, um, well, they were in disagreement over a gentleman named John Mark, who tradition would tell us wrote the gospel of Mark. And you see, John Mark kind of flaked out on a missionary trip. And, and, and uh, you know, honestly, Paul didn't want any of it. He said, listen, this guy flaked out in the past. I'm not taking him with me now. But Barnabas was the encourager. The encourager. I mean, think about it. Think about if uh, John Mark only had Paul. Maybe he doesn't write a gospel. I, I don't know. Nevertheless, Barnabas takes on another apprentice. And he keeps it going. And he starts over again. That's the thing with mentoring. Is that there's a part where you reach out to somebody. You take a risk. You take a chance. You see somebody who is teachable. You are not too, you know, fearful of rejection to give your time to that person. And you build camaraderie and brotherhood. And there's a synergy together. And then almost always... There's a departure. But it does not stop there. It keeps on going. The process keeps on replicating itself. I know that many of you know 2 Timothy 2 too. So I'll just remind us of it. The things you have heard me say in the presence of many witnesses entrust, entrust a faithful men who will be qualified to teach others. And that verse probably, in Paul's mind when he's writing it, he's seeing the way that the gospel has gone through the relationships in his life. So, I found this little quote, so while we rightly think of Paul as the strategic spokesman for Christ in the New Testament, right? He's the one who by the Holy Spirit, writes most of, the, most of the canon of the New Testament. We must never forget that behind Paul was a Barnabas. Paul needed Barnabas, as great as Paul was. See, that could be true for us. Sometimes, uh, you know, as we're coaching somebody, I don't know if there's any coaches in the room, if you ever did Little League or any type of athletics, you might see somebody that has more athletic talent than you're ever going to have. 
How are you supposed to give to that? Well, because you have so much more experience. You have so much more authority. You have so much more respect from that person who's looking up to you, coach. Tell me what to do, coach. Help me, coach. It doesn't stop because Paul didn't stop either. The list of apprentices that Paul had, he speaks of many times. Timothy, Sylvanus, Titus, Crispus, Fortunatus, Aristus, many, many more. Because this pattern of living is repeatable. God will continue to give us people to pour into as long as we are willing to pour in to others. So that's my encourage for us. Men, it ain't over. Our job's not over. I'm sorry, there's no retirement. There's only death. No, that's terrible. That's not, that's not funny. <laughs> but in all seriousness, when does the call of Christ leave your life? When you see him face to face. That's it. That's when the call of Christ leaves. And so you may be saying today, okay, then, then what am I supposed to do? You're supposed to have, we're supposed to have, all of us are supposed to have eyes. Eyes to see and hearts like Barnabas to encourage, to give our time. In those ways, I, maybe I mentioned earlier, maybe there's a service project that's coming up and you want to be a part of it. And in that, God's going to put into your life somebody who you're like, I, I, think, I think this could be a, a good friendship, a good mentorship. Maybe you want to reach out to people who are serving with uh, young men and uh, students in ministry. And say, you know, I've never really served with youth before, but I, I think I need to do that now. Maybe, again, it's one of your friendships. One of your friendships that you already have. You already know this person. You already know this guy. And you're like, you know what? We need to really encourage and stir up each other. Don't give up, men. Don't stop. Keep on running that race. So um, hopefully that's an encouragement for all of us today. Be encouraged that uh, the Lord is always going to be using us as we avail ourselves to him. So um, why don't we just uh, pray one more time together. Uh, there's going to be some questions on the screen, just uh, talking a little bit more about mentors in your life. And then, of course, you always have time to talk about what's going on in your lives as a table. And um, let's pray. God, I just thank you for these guys. Just thank you for the opportunity to look to your word today as we begin our day. Help us to remember, help us to meditate on your word, that it would be the thing that gives us uh, strength and purpose and guidance. Uh, and then you would just, uh, Lord, um, help us to be willing to take risks, to either search for a mentor, someone to encourage us, or maybe we need to be the mentor for someone else to encourage them. Either way, Lord, we know that it is your spirit 
that shapes us into who you want us to be. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.